Hello, hello, hello. This is Emotional Support. I am Alessandra, and I am here with a dear old friend of mine. I am here with Lindsay Fonseca. Hi. Hi. We've only known each other 100 years. I think that we met at Oakwood. How old did we figure out our ages were? Because you're a couple months older than me or a year older than me, and so it would be depending on when you were there. I think I was 12. So then I was like 11. I was yeah. like 10 or 11. We were children. We were children. We were little babies. Because I always think it's younger, but then I know it's not because you weren't there when you were younger. Right. Because you were there earlier. Right. I came in. You'd already been living there. Yeah. And um, it was us, Hillary Duff. Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz. <laughs> It was the whole gang. It was the whole gang. I mean, that was kind of like a badass gang at the time. Yeah, we were like little hellraisers. And we had pagers. Yes, we had pagers. (laughs) It was before that big Nokia cell phone that I got. Yes. And we had pagers. And if we like were, you know, out too late, they would page us. And we would know to come home. Yeah. But then they had the activities. There's a documentary. Did you see the documentary? I didn't see the documentary. You should watch it. I've heard about it, though. You know, it makes it seem worse than it really was. Yeah, it wasn't like a terrible place. I think that for some reason, our generation, when we were there, it was... More wholesome. Yeah, because there wasn't social media. There weren't no. YouTube stars. It wasn't yes. Instagram famous. There were no influencers. There were... Yeah, it was just like a simpler... It was a simple time. I don't even remember like <laughs> the internet then. I mean, I, I know, know it existed, but it wasn't like I was a 12-year-old like on the internet. No. No. It was kind of the golden time. It was great. It was and they great. had great donuts on a Sunday and they had the convenience store. The I convenience can't like store. talk enough about how amazing it was. But here's like a full circle moment for you. I don't remember if Noah was there, but Sturgis was there when we were there. No. Did he ever tell you the story? No. Yeah, that they all came out for, let's see, he must have been 21 and it was like his senior year in high in college and they like five guys, his friend Ryder Doyle, like all these guys, yeah. or maybe it wasn't Ryder. Maybe it was Luca Borghese. It was like one of his friends and like four of them stayed, four or five stayed in an apartment for the summer and they were all interns. And he was interning for some production company at the time. And it's when we were there. Is Stur- are Sturgis and Noah the same age? Yes. So maybe Noah was there living with Sophie, his ex. No, 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 no. not yet. Sophie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is when they were like in college. Okay. And they and Noah was like acting and and doing the whole thing already. I okay. believe, I'm pretty sure. Anyways, it was really funny because I only remember this because he and the guys put soap in the jacuzzi. And you and, remember that? And I remember that the jacuzzi was filled with soap and it was a prank. And at the time, it wasn't in sync. I'm trying to think of the, this is like really like going backwards. There was some band that oh, was. Oh, I know who it who was. Who was it? Oh, crap. Who are they? They were like a bunch of blonde white dudes, right? Yes, and it was like four um, of them. Yeah, it was. And they were on Disney No Channel. authority. No, 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 it wasn't no authority. Oh, shit. Close. No, it was. It was. Oh my gosh, it's gonna come to me, and okay. then I'm gonna say it. It wasn't five, but it was like one of those. But it could have been something like a no authority. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, and they, I remember they were staying there, and I was like, oh my god, it must have been them. And then come to find out, it was my boyfriend. boyfriend. <laughs> oh my god, that is so full circle. Full circle moment. 
Which is even, like, nuts. People should know that your husband and my boyfriend have been friends since they were kids as well. And completely we unrelated. Completely unrelated. I know. You guys were together. Sturgis and I were together, and we all, like, discovered this. And it's this. awesome because it's reunited our friendship. Yeah. I mean, and, we've always been friends, but yeah. it's just, like, even it makes different it, now. It makes it even great. easier to kind of drag them to be like, we want to do this. Yeah, so because they're, to they're totally useless without us <laughs> taking care of their schedule, let's be honest. It's kind of true. Yeah. And now you have a beautiful little girl. Yeah. Greta. I know. She's just the cutest thing in the entire world. I mean, I think so. We just got through potty training, Al. Wow. She's fully potty trained. And well, she is fully a personality. I'll is, tell you that much. <laughs> she is a full personality. She's such a comedian. I know. I I've, I just love watching. This is a particular, she's 22 months, and this is a particularly funny age. Like, How did she that happen, just, too? I don't know. I feel like you were just pregnant. I know. Here's a really full circle moment for you. You told me you were pregnant in the audition. For, yes. For you. Remember? Yes. Wasn't it for you? It was that, that Netflix show? Yeah. Penn's when it was show. Lifetime at the time, Wait, I think. No, it was, yeah, it was Lifetime. And you were like, no one knows this, but I'm pregnant and I'm really nauseous. And I like didn't know what I was doing. I was like still auditioning because I didn't <laughs> you know were why like, not I'm not going to be able to get this. And then I was like, why am I doing this? And I just kept, I tested even pregnant for some other show. I don't remember. Because because I think you thought, oh, I'm going to have the baby and then I'll have a month off before the show started. I think that that's what it was. It's just weird that there's all this like bullshit about not telling people because you won't get the job if you tell no. someone you're pregnant. No. But they can't not give you the job because you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. That's discrimination. But they're not going to. No. And so it's this weird thing of feeling like... As you know, the feminist in me, I was like, I'm. I don't. Why am I hiding this? Like, I need to go out and I feel powerful and I can just do this job and this and that and and yet knowing this is not going to serve me in the end. No. So it's just kind of a weird, sticky thing. I've watched a lot of my friends go through with. It's it's auditioning and, and also seeing babies. friends who are ready to have babies, but if they're on shows or if yes. they're about to get shows and they're playing, you know, the the gorgeous, you know, superhero, and they're yes. like, we know that I can't fit in yeah. this super tight cat suit. <laughs> yeah. If I was pregnant, and when do you figure out the timing? And I think that you handled that very well, oh, and it was I do think I lost out on probably two or three jobs during the whole. Um, process that I think were I think it was the reason and it just sucked like I, I did I won't mention what network but I did get offered a TV movie and I was like great I'd love to do it and just so you know I'm about this far along I'm not really showing but a little bit and probably by the end of the shoot I'll be showing more and they they pulled the offer <gasps> like it's just just stuff like that I just think it's just a little unfair that we we should be celebrated for being able to do carry and be, and like create a human in your body yeah, and go care. and act and be on camera and do all those things. Like, no shouldn't that be like, oh, my God, you're amazing. There's a part of me that wishes that I had babies when I was like 22 years old, like Reese Witherspoon, because she like got it out of the way. She just and then she it. reinvented herself and then became this like badass actress. I know, and now is know, like have adults. <laughs> I think I think that's not just not our story. And I have to say, there is no way I would be as patient as I am with my daughter that's than I would have been true. in my 20s. That's very like, true. I there's so many times where I just am like, wow, this is pushing me fully to my max. And I don't think I would have been able to do this in my 20s. I think another thing, I was discussing this with my friend Candace. You know mm -hmm. Candace King. Mm -hmm. um, can formerly Candace Acola. Exactly. Um, and we were talking about, you know, her little girls, maybe 
Five? Maybe like four or five, yeah, I think. I think so. Um, and we were talking about, um, you know, mental health in regards to children mm-hmm. and, and kind of that state of mind and all yeah. that kind of shit. But what's interesting is because you are such a progressive woman and you are just such a powerful being and you are raising a powerful <laughs> little lady who is so powerful yes. and I got her a pantsuit so she can be little Hillary Clinton. I miss that pantsuit. I miss that pantsuit on her. But we were talking about how this is such a great time to raise a kid mm-hmm. because there is so much awareness and there's so much to look forward to raising a daughter specifically. Yeah. But what was interesting is I asked her, you know, are there books about mental health and, you know, mm-hmm. signs and stuff like this? And she's like, honestly, like, not really. There's a lot of books about, you know, how many, you know, how to put your baby down to sleep, what the poop should be and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. But there didn't seem to be specifically mental health. Now, Greta's almost two is in that three years, was there something that ever came out that you've been aware of? Because you've, mm-hmm. this is like me babbling on, but You've dealt with mental health Mm -hmm. in family situations. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know if this was something that you have been aware of to see what's happening with your daughter and like see in her eyes. I think there's every parent, whether they have any sort of history in their family or not, there is this as these milestones go by, you you are like looking for these signs like you're also you're always so terrified of autism. You're so terrified of this and, and making sure that they're making their milestone. And I think every parent has those fears and is is just being very you know watchful of those signs. And then when you have, you know, a history, I have um, mental I have suicide. I have alcoholism and uh schizophrenia all in my bloodstream and those things I'm you know Noah and I he also has um, stuff in his side of the family and we when we were getting pregnant you know we talked about that about Mm -hmm. the possibilities of her just being um, more prone to addiction or more prone to certain things and how we would have to just you know keep a watchful eye out and guide her in certain ways because of that. So you even thought about that during the whole pregnancy even before. Because I had a really interesting um, argument with a person at a party that I didn't really know very well and I started about adoption because I think adoption has always been very important to me Mm -hmm. even though we had Greta naturally but maybe one day we'll Mm -hmm. adopt and I said look the the shit that's in my DNA is no different than the shit that's in some other no. kid's DNA. And you never know what you're going to get adopting, Mm-mm. sure. But you never know what you're going to get in your own right. pregnancy. Right. Yeah. Like, so in my opinion, there, neither one of them is more of a risk. Like, mm-hmm. everyone talks about adoption being this risky thing and you can get, like, some kid who's like, it's like, so I could birth one of those kids that's, and then Honestly, I would love I them and we would, would deal with that. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, and... You know, she's still very young, and so I think our probably more challenging years are ahead of us. Um, But, yeah, I'm very aware. Noah's very aware. And then also just having conversations about it. You know, Noah Mm -hmm. has suicide on his side of the family as well. And so we just having open conversations about all of these things so that nothing's taboo and nothing's like something you don't talk about is really Mm -hmm. important, too. Just so she subconsciously feels like she can talk to us about anything and I don't know. I think we'll see when she really starts 
coming to us with some ideas and problems. I can't imagine what it's like to be a mom now, too, is there's the benefit of being aware of mental health and being able to see in those milestones and in, you know, at this age, something may happen here and this is when the sign of bipolar disorder comes out or manic depressant Mm -hmm. or, you know, schizophrenia, whatever it may be. That's exciting. But it's also so scary, I feel like, because you're so aware of the issues with autism and all these things that you see at a very young, 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 young age. And I can't imagine, like, for me, I live my life in fear, which is terrible, and I go through every day Mm -hmm. trying to, like, break that habit. Mm -hmm. But I'm the person that's like, oh, my God, something terrible is going to happen. Like, there's going to be an earthquake Mm -hmm. while we're in this movie. What's the exit? And it's like I go into fight-or-flight mode every single day. It's, like, not healthy. And that's what I'm super concerned about if I had a kid because the odds are 90 to 99% that my kid is going to be bipolar like me. And so at least I'll be aware and be able to see those signs but I look at my mom and you know there were no signs back in the day and yes there there was a sign when I was two there was a sign when I was five when I was nine when I was 15 but they didn't know so there was nothing to do but I'm so fearful and for for me and for other moms and and family where if you think it's something you're gonna go oh that's something that I did when I was bipolar. So like, they must be bipolar. Like almost um, over, over. over yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, the thing that's crazy about being a parent is that you realize how much you um, y- you you think for your child. Mm. And so sometimes you just have to step back and say, wait, they're their own person. Like, what are they right. trying to tell me? Right. Am and I you can't compare this? them to other kids yeah, or anything exactly. like that. Totally. Like... Yeah, and then you and and not over worrying about everything. Like there's times when Greta is so needy and and like just like attached to me, and I'm like, oh my god, this seems unhealthy. And then it's like, no, she's a toddler. Like she's going through some sort of individual phase, yeah. and like needs she's feeling scared and needs more of this. Yeah. And so sometimes you know our brains as adults overthink things that they're just going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this fine. I think it's a fine line when you're a mom, you'll feel this like balance of not overthinking things and letting things go and being very in tune with your kid and aware of the signs they're showing you about a behavior. Mm -hmm. And it's like this delicate balance. And I'm sure the most like the best of parents don't get it right all the time. There's going to be times where you are too overbearing and making something worse. And then times where we should have seen a behavior. I mean, my kid smacks kids in the face and I can't (laughs) fucking figure it out. I'm like, Greta is like the sweetest, most loving, like hugs, like so gentle. She's She's such an angel. angel. And she'll like walk up to a kid and just smack him in the face. And I'm like, I can't get through to this kid that that's not how you walk up to somebody. It's like some weird impulsive thing that she cannot stop doing. Do you know if you were like that as a kid? Uh, I don't know if I was like that as a kid. I don't know. Smacking kids left just and right. Just smacks them. Just walks up to him and just smacks him in the face. I'm like, oh my God. And it's fine when it's like, you know, my friend Jules and she's like, okay, it's fine yeah, with her kid. Yeah. But when it's like a stranger at the park, I'm like, just I'm like, so sorry. I'm that parent, you know? I like just judge a lot of people less now as a mom. I know, because you're just like, shit. I'm just like, we're all just doing our best. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> no, it's so true. No, it's so true. Now, both you and I have the um, 
same traits of being mm. daughters of alcoholic fathers. I know. And I feel like we don't talk about that enough because I feel I like we're sort of in that same. It's it's like it's like being a parent to your parent or having mm-hmm. not having a parent um, be your parent. Yeah. And it's a it's a whole other feeling. Yeah. Was it something that you noticed when you were a kid? Because it's something I didn't notice Mm -mm. until later in life being like, oh, my God, Mm -mm. he did this every single day. And it was never abusive. Like, that's why I feel like I always can excuse the fact that Mm -hmm. he was an alcoholic and I can laugh about it. Because, oh, he's Italian. He likes to drink. Mm -hmm. And because he didn't hit me, because Mm -hmm. he didn't verbally assault me, I never really kind of digested that. Yes. And I also don't talk to him anymore, which is different. Yes. You still speak to your father. Yeah. I think that there's those similarities, Al, is that um, there's this this subconscious um, behavior that we're taught as kids. And like you, I didn't know my father was struggling with alcoholism his whole life. And, and it, it didn't get as bad as it is now until like the last 10 years. But um, the behavior is erratic it's you never it's like walking on eggshells you never quite know what sort of mood that person is in and there's like this inconsistency to it and I also am like you my father was very loving towards me he was like kind of like a fun uncle I never lived with him parents were divorced my mom remarried um and I, I, you know, saw my dad on the weekends and he was a part of my life, but he didn't raise me like I didn't mm-hmm. live with him. Um, you and didn't get the discipline from him. No. Or have that normal, in quote, out of quote, normal father. I didn't even get like advice right. or it right. was just like, let's hang out, have a good time right. kind of thing. Um, you know, I went through a lot of anger in my 20s. Um, and a lot of therapy about his absence in my life. And I was just like you are in your teens and 20s, just like mad at the fuck ups your parents mm-hmm. made. And um, I feel like I've worked through that now in my 30s. Like I'm not mad at him anymore because now I'm like, oh, you are just like not equipped to be a parent. And like right. you are struggling with like a severe illness and don't have the tools to um to figure it out mm-hmm. and i i think in my 30s now i just have like much more compassion about it and and i'm i'm less angry even mm-hmm. though i'm i'm sad and i and it just sucks um but i i'm glad i i had to go through those years and and like you like you felt you said you felt like you didn't understand until later and then you were mm-hmm. like Oh, and get all like clicked. Yeah, in place. that makes sense. How old were you when you kind of figured that out? Was it through therapy, or you were like, "Oh, wow, this"? I think it was in layers. It was like teenage years. I realized he was sort of um, just limited with his like uh, paternal ability. That mm-hmm. he was like so loving and a good friend, but that I was not going to get the paternal things that I needed from him, mm-hmm. and that. That was like a little bit of like a death, like a mini death where I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is why I'm angry because I keep trying to force something that's just not natural for him. And then there was the layering of like um, the alcoholism even later that I figured out. And, you know, was he depressed? He suffers from depression. Right. Um, But mostly his the reason he drinks is his anxiety. And something that is so incredible that I figured out in talking to my dad, you know, once I lost my anger towards him and once I let sort of let him off the hook for things Mm -hmm. like 
well, I wouldn't have done that with my kid. You know, once I let those things gone, mm -hmm. let go, I I was really able to see how similar we were with our anxiety mm -hmm. and how he is. I have always felt very oversensitive in groups in, in like parties and um, social settings because mm -hmm. I feel everything so much mm -hmm. and I get like oversensitized mm -hmm. and overwhelmed and I drink at parties to just sort of like chill the fuck down. Mm -hmm. And that's why he drinks. But unfortunately, he can't stop where I right. can. Right. And he I don't need to, to drink level. the next morning. And mm -hmm. I don't. And, and he takes it to another level. But I started to see the similarities of where our getting overwhelmed mm -hmm. with um, energy like creates that anxiety that cannot be stopped and like has to just be numbed by something. Um, and it made me like a lot less judgmental towards him. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I guess I, in hindsight, wish I had those tools at a younger age. It would have, it's almost like now, even though my dad's in jail dealing with felonies from DUIs, <laughs> we have a better relationship than we ever have had, <laughs> you know? No, but, it, but it's, you know, the other thing is, is if, you would have known when you were a kid and you would have known in your teens and your early 20s. I don't think you would have been able to forgive him, mm. even if you were aware of it. I don't right. think you would have. I mean, maybe it's I'm like wrong, I had to go through the process. But like you had to go through your own stuff, too. You had to go through your own relationships. You yeah. had to make that comparison. Yeah. And you had to kind of step away and create your own life before you could see everything in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to really figure it out and I feel like you know as parents you can you can um guide and and tell your kids but I'm trying to remember from my own self that like there's nothing my mom and dad could have told me about who I am like that's part of going through your your teen years and your mm -hmm. 20s is to like figure it out um you know when I was shooting Nikita in Toronto I went to AA almost every day I had a girlfriend really? like a friend um who is a you know she lives there and we became very very close and she was an AA and we became really good friends and I just started realizing I that I was drinking excessively and that I was like trying to deal with something and so I was like well maybe I am an alcoholic and I I, I think I went to a hundred meetings oh my god like in a row like <laughs> I don't think I drank for like a whole year um Did one you of the feel seasons. better. Or it didn't yes. really matter. Like I think so. Like yeah. I think I needed to go through that. Like I think I, yeah, I think I felt better. I was, I was, um, I was lonely out there and and um, you know working a lot. And I was in a foreign country and like I just I think I was just drinking to cope. I mean mm. I never drank at work or anything no, like no, inappropriate, no, no. but I was just like partying too much at night or on the weekends or whatever. And I just it found it gave me. Um, like a moral compass to help guide me through it. And then I just literally one day just like woke up and I was like, I'm not an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. The stories that people tell in AA are just so important to hear. Like if anyone is struggling or anyone is thinking they are, mm -hmm. just like go to AA and just like it's figure no it out. Because like no one cares there who you are. They don't care. It's just like show up, be sober today. And, and I think... It really taught me a lot, and I'm, I'm really, I'm so thankful for my friend Nadine who helped me through that, and then thankful that like I don't have that right. gene, um, but I am understanding it and aware aware of it now in a different way, 
um, because watching my dad and like being sober for a whole year mm-hmm. and like it, yeah, it it changed my um, my judgment on it. Did you get yourself into therapy too? Did you are you like a firm believer of one of those? I love therapy. Yeah. I'll like if I break a nail, I'll be like, should I go to therapy? No, <laughs> swear to God, I if I didn't have a toddler, I'd probably be in therapy every single week. But I just don't have the time, right? Um, but I am just a very. I mean, my mom's a psychologist. Like I grew up, um, you know, having a very uh, healthy relationship to asking for help. Like mm-hmm. that's what she did. So you so, could be very open with her. Which yeah, is I was always very open with her, and I also always was like, "Oh, people that are psychologists are there to help you." Like, there's no right. judgment. There's right. no. So it wasn't in my like vernacular or whatever to be like embarrassed about therapy. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I should go talk to somebody about yeah. this." So yeah, I'm, and thank God. I mean, the things that I have figured out in therapy. I mean, if you have a good therapist, I'm a big fan of the cognitive behavioral therapist. I yeah. think that is like the best kind for me because I don't like to just sit and wallow over my problems. I like someone to give me a toolbox to handle it. To kind of com- to change the way you think, right? Exactly. That's the kind of whole thing behind. Yeah. It's CBT, right? Yeah. Right. Cognitive yeah, behavioral like, therapy. Like, yeah, CBT. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's helped you a lot. A Did lot. that help you realize that the problem was anxiety or do you think you knew that before? Um no, I think it helped me figure out that I I had more anxiety than I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I, and I actually dealing with my father. Um you know, I became in the last few years his basically his primary caretaker. Like right. yeah, I deal I with his yeah. finances. I I deal with his lawyers. I, you know, he's in and out of jail from DUIs and and talking to him with you know, again, I have no like stake in the matter. Like, I guess it's easier to be there for him because I'm not holding on to like weird daughter things. Mm-hmm. I'm just like a compassionate person who's like doesn't wish alcoholism on anyone. Mm-hmm. And when I hear him so wholeheartedly explain how oversensitized he gets or overwhelmed and he just isn't strong enough to like not drink and it's not about him like wallowing poor me it's about him like really just explaining like I'm really sick and how do I stop this and did your mom know he was he was sick when he when they were together no I don't think my dad suffered from any drinking problem then I mean they were children right they got married when they were in their early 20s and they divorced two years later right like they were barely together and they were children yeah so I think I think he's just a different person now and you have a great relationship with your mom's husband yes my stepfather has raised me since I was seven yeah and he's a more you know the word dad than you know, most people get. He's not blood, but he's dedicated his life to taking and taking care of me and raising me. Right. And I feel very fortunate. And I think also seeing that healthy relationship. I mean, look, they have their problems, but they're in a committed relationship mm-hmm. within a household with a lot of love. Yeah. And I think that was a really good foundation for me to see because I, I don't think I've had unhealthy relationships with men in my no. life. I feel like I've always chosen. You've had really good guys. I've had good guys. <laughs> like I have good taste in men, I think. And I'm, I don't, I think that's partly just me too, but also that I was like given I, uh, an example of love and commitment. And how it should be. Yeah. And, and I feel like what's so nice about you and Noah is that you are so um, aware of 
you know, mental health in the family and dealing with it and mm-hmm. making it stigma free. Yeah. I think that that's the most important thing yes. is you guys have been through so much. Yeah. But you're not making it. Woe is me. No. This is the end of the world. This only right. happens to me. You go, this is life. Yes. Like shit happens. You figure it out. We have to move forward. And we are so lucky for where we are in our life that we know how to change and how to fix it and how to stay strong. And I think that you guys have stayed so strong in your relationship and Mm -hmm. you have such a powerful relationship and everyone around you like sees that. You guys are incredible examples of how um, a husband and wife should be in a mom and dad. Like it gets me so excited. That's so sweet. (laughs) No, but it's so true. We were put to the test early on. We both dealt with suicides in our family while we were dating. We, We both dealt with... Um, my, you know, my dad's problems and just a lot of family stuff. Um, and there's no judgment. And, and I think that yeah. that's very clear. It's like you have to agree on a way to deal with something. And mm-hmm. like, I think th- things like death and disease, they change, they can change a marriage and they can affect a family dynamic so much. So it's like you have to have just like at least agree on the same language around it. Mm-hmm. And I just feel luckily, no, and I never had to have a conversation about it. It was like we just seem to deal with it and have the right outlook cohesively mm-hmm. that makes us like be able to tackle those things. Um, and like we're very aware of learning from what we're going through too. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I Noah has this ability to just be very, he's like a very calm presence. Oh my God, he's so zen. <laughs> so zen. Without being juju at I know, all. He's I know. He's just himself. It's a, and I actually feel like when I go to social situations, whether they're work events or friends parties or something, I just feel so much more uh, I, like calm and less anxiety mm-hmm. just from his energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've started to realize that, like how good that is for me and then how to recreate it when he's not around. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can't go to this like red carpet. I'm like going to have to like, Talk you know, to have it shot before I can <laughs> yeah. like even, you know, and, and that's not a healthy behavior so it's like how do I create that zen feel he's just like he grew up in this house with that you know his parents were in a hippie commune there were people over all the time there was constant entertaining there was constantly people like a dinner party gets me so stressed that he has to like make me breathe and like I'm my OCD starts to go up and Mm -hmm. like it's just a I couldn't be with someone who was more high energy um, which I have dated in the past Mm -hmm. just like people that are just like more sort of like well and I think he's really good with women in particular Noah is where you know, a lot of Sturgis's friends, they're great guys, but I I don't think I could ever be one-on-one with them. Mm-hmm. I would feel not uncomfortable, not in a sexual way, none of that. No, of course. I just, like, have nothing to relate to them. Yeah, like, yeah. once the basketball talk is done for me, yeah, like, and, well, I'm like, yeah. and so who are you dating? Like, yeah. I don't know what to do. But with Noah, like, every time I go to the house and you guys are there, and if Sturgis is always late. <laughs> Sturgis is always late. He's always late. Always late. But I feel like a calmness where I can sit and talk Mm. to Noah. You know, we went to dinner a couple weeks ago and we were walking and he and I were talking about, you know, things and and not even drama, but stuff that's going on in in my life. And he was kind of like, okay, this is what you should do to handle this. This is how you should. And it was like, oh, my God, I felt like on a little walk I got a therapy session on our way to dinner. (laughs) I know. But he has something that he can connect to women where it's not – 
it feels like a safe space and it yeah. feels like no judgment and you you can just hear his opinion and I think that that's really important too because you have amazing women in your life that are constantly in your life like you don't come from I don't have any girlfriends right. it's just me it's like here's the world here deal with this I know you know and that's so important and he is there for Noah the marches like, with you. Like, Noah's notorious is. for sticking around on a girl's night. And yeah. I'm just like, honey, you don't have to be here. And he's like passing out hors d'oeuvres. And we're like, I okay. know. You're like, <laughs> okay, I can do it. No, but in that's so important, especially yeah. it's so nice as a girl to see that you have a little girl that you guys are raising mm-hmm. and that he is such a influential, um, influential man to show that women are powerful. Yeah. And, and I'm going to be here to support you and I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to march with you and I'm going to fight for you. And it's just, I don't know. It's It must be because he's from Mystic, Connecticut and it's I'm telling Mystic you, Pizza. <laughs> I, when we got married, I realized my husband was a better feminist than I was. And I, I had to step up oh my, my God, game. It's so true. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. You're like, shit, I got to get okay. this started. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Showing me. So, um, Can we talk about, we're doing like a quick like. I don't know. Is it a 180? Is it a 360? I want to talk about the movie <laughs> yeah. that you have done that's coming out. First of all, I'm yes. very excited because Kirstie Alley's in it. Oh, my God. She's hysterical. Kirstie Alley? Kirstie Alley. It's Kirstie. Kirstie. Yeah, Kirstie Alley. Alley. Yeah. And I just heard an interview with her. It was an old one, and it was yesterday. So really weird that we're Wait, having this conversation. Really? Yeah, and it was an old Howard Stern interview. Oh, Like, God. really old. Hilarious. But she was talking about her 14 lemurs, and she said that when she was three years old, all she would say is she wanted to be a famous actress and she wanted to have monkeys. And literally, I never felt more connected to her because I was like, all I've ever wanted was to be an actress with a farm of monkeys and chimpanzees and oh pigs and goats. And I was like, oh, my God, she's one of me. Like, she's hysterical. She is so funny. You know. The movie you're referring to is called You Can't Take My Daughter. It's a lifetime film. I can't wait. And, and I'm also very going to like say this, that I think Allie and I are very involved in this, Allie Machalka. Okay. Because we would at dinner before that, and you're like, yeah, oh, you know, yes. what do you guys think of, of lifetime movies? And we're like, you better do it. You're like, you need to do You this. need to do it. This is my dream. Yes. We always wanted to be in and then, I know. You guys like, gave two me- two days later, it, it just happened. Like, I know. And then it came, it was offered to me like, and I was like, oh my God, we were just- yeah. The, you guys helped bring the juju, the energy so for this project we so to come into fruition. Um, but Christy was great. She um, she plays your mom. She plays my mom, yeah. and she, you know, is for a, like a month shoot, and she was only there for like four days. So I didn't get to spend a ton of time with her. But, but the enough. days I spent with her, I just never stopped laughing. The thing about her is that you don't really know if she's if she's doing a joke or a shtick or if she's being her like because she's coming in and out like her character was this really horrible person and um, she would just say these things to me and I was like whoa she's very like caught off guard guard. and then I was like oh my god she's still in character she's like fully improving right now like just like without the cameras rolling just like in it you know my gosh but with like even though the film is very dramatic this is not a comedy she just brought this grounded um sense of humor to it Mm -hmm. that was like kind of needed even though she's very serious in the film she plays this like very judgmental southern um uh uh pageant judge and my character gorgeous is this a sequel (laughs) yeah 
my character um, gets raped and, and this decides. This is a true story. This is a true story. So this woman um, gets raped and decides to keep the baby, and it's in the South. And Kirsty's character is very, you know, sort of old school religious, and is totally just appalled that she would even think of keeping a rapist. In you know fetus and mm-hmm. she's completely not supportive and this really happened to this woman um, in fact the real mother is way worse but they had to tone it down for the film because they didn't think anyone would believe it um, so she decides to keep the baby as she just graduates law school and six years later the rapist comes after her for custody of the child and in the state of uh, Georgia at the time, um, there were no laws to protect the mother and daughter. What time was child. this? This was about um, like 06. It was like 2006. So not that long ago. Not that long ago. <laughs> um, yeah. Her daughter now is like about 15. Um, and she realized there were no laws protecting the victims of rape and their and their children from the rapist. And so she dedicated has dedicated her life to changing the laws to um, better protect mothers from this situation because if a DNA test says that the father's biological and the problem it goes is even rooted deeper because it's very hard to prove rape because even if you can prove that someone you know with semen said you guys had there was sexual activity there's abusive relationships people women come back to men Mm -hmm. all the time because that's you know a big problem it's a pattern there's a pattern in domestic violence and so for the law enforcement it's really hard to prove um, if it was rape or mm-hmm. if it was just, a, you know, an unhealthy, abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And in this case, my character had met and knew who this man was. And so the the cops basically were like, didn't do anything about it. And so when he wasn't charged with rape, because it was simply a he said, she said, there were no witnesses, then if he's not charged with the rape, he's an innocent man in the eyes of the law. And so therefore, that's his child and he has the right to have custody of his own child. So it's very, very um, common and it's very sticky and confusing because most rape cases go, you know, without getting solved. Yeah, so, they, they're like cold cases, basically. Yeah. Well, not cold cases. I guess that's I think different. But but yes, it, it's it's a non-resolved story. You know, I think when, when the court system can start believing women more, mm-hmm. look, there's always going to be like, you know, I've had a lawyer man in my life say to me, well, here's a story of a woman who lied about, you know, this uh, rape and they, he was innocent. And I'm like, those stories are not interesting to me until Mm-mm. it feels more even, until men are <laughs> believing women more and, and more accurately. And then we can talk about the very few women mm-hmm. that lie about these things mm-hmm. for the sake of money or whatever, because it's not an interesting it's, it's not it's not relevant. Like most women are getting attacked and perpetrators are going w- without any sort of justice. So. Uh, it's and talk about completely fucking with a child's brain. Yeah, that they know that their mother has been so amazing and has stayed with them and kept the baby. And then this man, I can't even imagine what it would also be like for the mother. Not only is this man who you know has abused you is having custody of your children as well, knowing what he was what he did to you. Who's to say he's not going to exactly. do the same thing or physically abuse your child? It's unsafe. It's unsafe. It's an unsafe environment. Even 
if the rapist doesn't attack or abuse the child, it's an unsafe I mean, as a trauma victim, yep. you know, as the woman who's been raped, the trauma victim is going to go through, you know, PTSD and all these things. And that's not going to be a good mom to the mm-hmm. child. So, I mean, this woman I mean, good on Lifetime for for doing a story that, you know, is a little bit political. I wouldn't say it's a political story, but there's politics involved of and and telling us very... being in the South. Yeah. And there's, you know, religion. It Like, you know, she was pro-choice. It wasn't she didn't keep the kid because she was against abortion. She just said, you know what? This man, like, I thought he broke me. I thought he took everything from me. And I have now I'm creating life Mm -hmm. like I'm literally creating life and she's giving me so much power and hope for the future. Like he's not going to take that away, too. Mm -hmm. Like this is it was just just a beautiful way. Did you get to to, meet her? I did. I spoke with her on the phone for a while before we started shooting. And um, she came out for a day um, of shooting. We shot it in Georgia in Atlanta. And what did she have any insight of what it's like with the son now or not son? I don't know. Her daughter. Her daughter. Yeah. Her daughter's um, I would say very proud of her. Like, I I mean, who knows what their life is like on a day to day basis um, and what this 15 year old is going through. But her daughter expressed to me and to our film crew that she was just very proud of her mom that, you know, it's not like this incident happened and she became a victim to it. She's changing policies. She's mm-hmm. fighting for other women who go through this. Right. Um, and that has to show some sort of resiliency and, and power of like, my mom's a strong person. And, you know, I'm who's to say what she's what they're going through as a family of dealing with this stuff but every that's day. A pretty but, uh, woke 15 year old. Right. Like I she's mean, seeing her 15. mom be so powerful. Yeah, and and to psychologically know you are the product of a rape, but your mother chose to keep you. I mean, it's a lot. I'm, it's, I think she's probably going to be thinking about that her whole life. But you know what? There's no abandonment there. You know no. what I mean? How fabulous is that? Her mother didn't abandon her. And like I said, is is not even just being her mom and a good mom, but she's like fighting for other moms out there. Yeah. And I think that. That's what really enticed me about playing the story is I was just like, this woman could have just curled up in a ball and said, poor me in a corner. And she just fought back at every moment um, and used her, you know, her smarts, her her skills as a lawyer to try and figure out how to stop this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a very inspiring Oh my god! I can't wait to see it. And when does it come out? February fifteenth on Lifetime. Oh my god! We're a day after Valentine's Day. Oh, that's right. How romantic! Whoa, how romantic. Just a little rape story. <laughs> Just a little romance. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I asked this final question to every one of my guests. Okay. You can answer it however okay. you may feel. Oh gosh. Okay, Lindsay. Yeah. What makes you get up in the morning and continue on with your life? Hmm. That's such a great question. Oh, good. Thank you. Because you know why it's a good question? Because lately I've been feeling like it's been more of a struggle. Like, I think I go through moments in my life where I get up and I don't even think about it. But like, I have definitely been waking up at 530 in the morning to my toddler um, and being like, oh, God, this is brutal. Like, it's just too early. I'm just too tired to do this day. Um, And I I guess... I I guess that I just really um, cherish 
my family dynamic and I feel like I'm being held accountable in the pos- in like a positive way. Like I want to be just like AA holds you accountable. You mm-hmm. show up and like people know you're there. That means you're sober that day. It's kind of like in my household, like just showing up and being accountable. I think if I was by if I were by myself, I think I would suffer with from a lot more depression and anxiety. But like having my daughter to be a better person for mm-hmm. and having my husband to be a better person for because they give so much to me too. Um, it that's what gets me through the day mm-hmm. is like it's not it's not just about me. And I, I think that helps me just drives me through. It's helped you become a woman. Yeah. And they help you become who you are today. Well, I know this is your show, but what's yours? Oh, my gosh. You know, it's so funny. There's only been a couple people that have asked me this, but it literally changes for me all the time. Every week, every yeah. month, once a year. You yeah. know, obviously for the, I mean, it's not silly, but obviously for the reasons of, you know, I have two dogs to take care of. Like, that's if I don't silly. get up in the morning yeah, and they I don't, don't feed them, yeah. they die. Yes. <laughs> like. That's just the grim truth of it all. Yes. You know, my mom's my best friend. And mm. so I can't and, and we've um, fought together so much, not with each other, but yeah. fought for yeah. life yeah. together yeah. because my mom was basically a single mom, you yeah. know, so she raised me. So it's kind of like having two parents. Yeah. Um, and then I love my boyfriend. Like, he's great. You know, so that's always fun. It's to have the accountability there. you feel. Yeah. And I think that this past year, the the top 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 reason i get up in the morning is because i will read a message from mm. a, a a listener or someone that was a fan of big bang or caprica whatever it may be yeah and, saying they've been through and saying that they've been through stuff and mm-hmm. i've had probably 12 people who have written me that said that they were on the verge of committing suicide and mm. they thought that they were alone and they thought that they were the only ones who were you know crazy mm-hmm. um and then they've heard guests that i've had come on i mean yeah. not just me honestly it's been all the different guests that have come on because yeah. everyone i've had is so different, different and they all have a different fan base or they have a different mm-hmm. mental health issue or they yeah. deal with family and so when i get those messages you know i took a break for probably three months from the show i had a complete like mental nervous breakdown a couple months like two months ago and i like wouldn't leave the house mm-hmm. and i like got off my medicine or like lowered the dosage and and kind of just had a complete meltdown and I was like I don't want to fucking do this anymore like life sucks like I'm not working I don't have a job like this is shit yeah and then um there's like an emotional support uh Facebook page where everyone can write in like Mm -hmm. to each other and help each other out yeah and I had fans that posted pictures of me with them at comic cons and all these things saying you know we hope you're doing better we haven't heard from you in a while like Mm. please let us know when new episodes are coming like stay strong and I was like Fuck. Yeah. Like people that I don't know are telling me to stay strong. How yeah. can I not continue doing yeah. this? It's when you isolate yourself and and completely. I mean, this is what happened with my father. He completely isolated himself to protect his drinking and and whatever your, you know, issue is that you deal with, whether it's, you know, your meds that you feel like, oh, I'm strong and I don't need them. And, right. and it starts to go and you protect that and you protect your secret or your problem or yeah. and you start isolating yourself. 
that's a really scary place to have to get out of. Because when you do connect with your fans or you do connect with family or you connect with the people around you to help hold you accountable, you're able to have those lifelines. And so I, I always... I always know for myself and I tell people that struggle with issues is like the moment you start feeling like you're dropping, that's when you reach out and don't don't like try and protect it right off the top because it will only get harder. Yeah. Don't feel ashamed about it. And I think that it's more it's so important when, you know, people like you come on and talk about, you know, it has to be stigma free. Like it has to be. And it gives other people Hope. Mm-hmm. Well, so, thanks for having this podcast. Oh, Al. I love you so much. I love Thank you so, you much. so much. Thanks for, for having me. My show. This was lovely. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah.